Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Hi, I'm Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to The Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is The Best Life. So hey guys, welcome to Best Life Podcast from our studio in Costa Rica. Wow, we're just always in different studios. We moved, we moved here this week. <laughs> um, how has Costa Rica been for you so far? It has been up and down, like it's been a roller coaster. I so know. I'm actually like having a really good time today, and I'm really excited that we're getting to do like our interviews this week. I'm so pumped. So just so you guys know, we are here down in Costa Rica doing an amazing retreat. Um, we'll be sharing a lot more details about our own experiences, but one of the perks that we have is that we're able to connect with and get access to some of the facilitators here, some of the people who are doing some amazing work down here and getting to pick their brain about the modalities that they use to, uh, well, I guess we'll get more into it, but to enlighten themselves, to, uh, you know, expand their emotional awareness, to be able to connect better with people in their life and things like that, and to really get down to their own bullshit, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And so one of the ways um, they're doing that is through some breathwork classes. So we have Christian Minton with us, who's the breathwork facilitator. And it's funny, when I, I feel like uh, I did breathwork maybe 20 years ago, but it was I don't know if it's actually breath work. I wanted to ask you. I yeah. did Kundalini yoga and it was a lot of weird breath stuff. So I was like, oh yeah, I've done this, but I actually don't even know if that's true. I think we're down in Costa Rica. I think it's going to be like to the nth degree, like on steroids, like yeah. down here. We're excited. <laughs> so just so you guys know, we haven't actually done it yet, but Christian, welcome to the show and we're so excited to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, <laughs> we are pumped. Okay. So right off the bat, is Kundalini and breath work the same thing or no? Uh, well, Kundalini yoga has an element of breath work mm-hmm. in it. Uh, the breath work that I teach comes from more of a modern day wave of, uh, of origin. R- originally started, I'd say, in the 1970s with a guy named Leonard Orr and, and a wave of breath called rebirthing. Mm. And from there, a number of branches uh, developed. There's holotropic breath work, which uh, le- was led by Stanislav Grof. I was taught in the School of Transformational Breathwork, which was developed by a woman named Judith Kravitz. And so since then, there's been dozens of other offshoots of, of what I'd call those were the, really the big three in Got this it. modern day wave of breathwork. So what, 
how would you define breathwork just to somebody on the street? Like if you just met somebody for coffee or something and they're like, so what do you exactly do? Like what is breathwork? Yeah, the kind of, the kind of breathwork that I do, we'd, I'd call conscious breathing and, or conscious breathwork, which would mean one that you're, you're working with the breath consciously, that, that instead of just taking our breath for granted, that we're actually actively working with conscious breathing. And I'd take that one step further, conscious breathing techniques. Mm -hmm. So techniques of breathing, actual uh, specific ways of manipulating the breath in order to achieve specific results. So these, th this particular technique is really designed to inundate your body with an abundant amount of oxygen in a short period of time. Oxygen being our number one energy source on a physical level. Oxygen uh, being a carrier of prana, which many yogis mm -hmm. out there know uh, as a term that basically means life force energy. Oxygen carries this life force energy, which activates our emotional body and our, our, uh, the spiritual dimension of our being. So a lot of interesting things happen on those levels as we start to bring this oxygen and this life force energy in abundant amounts into our own physical field. Wow. I really want to break that down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I love that. And so I think the first question that someone might have is, isn't breathing just breathing? Like, it's kind of like, oh, we just like, it does it ourselves. Like, why would we want to improve it? Like on some capacity, like, isn't it the most efficient thing that we have? Like, we don't have to think about it. So like, why, what makes doing conscious breath work and like going to the, you know, the sessions that we're about to go to in the next couple of days, like doing this on a, on the regular, like, how is that better? Or why should I spend time doing that? You know, it's, it's funny. It's kind of like the question that I have in my mind, doctors, I understand, have very little education on nutrition. Yes. And yet we have this cliche, you are what you eat, mm -hmm. you know, because what you put in your body becomes you. And so, of course, that's going to affect your health. And yet, for some reason, we have this, this strange mindset in the West that we don't have to pay attention to what we eat. It's, it, we can fix it through, through various patch-up means afterwards. So the same thing with our breathing. It's, it's interesting because when we were born into this world, the first, you know, the first thing we do is, is take a breath, but usually it's because somebody hangs us upside down, slaps us on our butt, starts us crying. We, we start breathing. As long as it's actually going, they're saying, okay, he or she is good to go, mm -hmm. you know, hands it to the nurse to get cleaned up. And that's about the last we ever think, you know, it's this function that, that is, uh, automatic. And so we don't notice it until it's dysfunctionally. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and you it, can't and breathe it. You've got like two <laughs> minutes to fix that shit. Well, that, that's right. But as long as we're breathing, we think it's keeping us alive. It's a, the function of breathing, like probably the number one function of breathing is that it keeps us alive. And, and because that's a pretty big reason to to function, we think, all right, as long as it's keeping us alive, it's good. Mm -hmm. But what we don't realize is that the breath is actually access to, as we said, these multiple dimensions mm -hmm. of our being. And actually, once we learn how to work with it, we can, we can learn how to really embody uh, our fullest potential. It's like an mm -hmm. athlete, you know, you're not going to, you know, we all know how to walk. We know how to no, we all know how to run, let's say, right. But does that mean you can run a hundred yard dash and, and win the Olympics? Mm -hmm. No, you've right. got to learn how to run like with the, the most, um, you know, minute tweaks in, in power and speed and, and everything to, to be able to win that race. 
So the same way with breathing. We all breathe. We're like optimal breathing. Or kind yeah, of it's like, like an learning. optimal. Like we have this level of survival and you're saying like maybe thriving or like maybe supra breathing. Exactly. That that word thriving is, is part of, you know, part of what I feel like uh, working with our breath can really help us to do. In fact, I, I, I put the stages of our existence into three, three basic categories, coping, healing, and thriving, mm-hmm. basically. You know, coping is when we're, we're like, uh, geez, my life, I'm feeling like I'm drowning. I just need to keep my head above water. And working with the breath can actually help you find that stability, find that little life raft to hold on to until you can do something about it to, to get yourself on, on a much more st- a stable position. Then you move into the healing phase, which is really looking back and starting to uproot the causes of what caused you to to feel like you needed to cope in the first place. Mm -hmm. And again, the breath can help really, those are usually emotionally based and the breath can really help to dislodge this old stagnant emotional energy and and bring it forth and and rid it from our being. And then we're relatively prepared then to be in that thriving phase. Once Once we're stable, once we've sort of cleared the field of all those old weeds, now we can start looking on the future. How can I really embody my potential? How can I be the best me that I can be? What was I born on this planet for what what am I meant to be doing and and how can I do it most effectively and the breath then also can stimulate that and that's really my favorite part of the whole process but sometimes we have to go through those other parts which is partly what this whole retreat of Rhythmia is about and what I would what I was doing before Rhythmia in my own practice uh, what I call breath flow wellness and then you know what I've been doing at Rhythmia for the last year and a half. Let's talk a little bit about that before because I'm super curious how would one get into this were you just like a yoga enthusiast and then it like led into one thing or did you have a crazy story and you healed through this? (laughs) Yeah I have a crazy yoga related story. (laughs) If you could could say I was an extreme yoga enthusiast because I was actually a monk for 10 years of my life in a yogic order so when I when I talk about yoga you know the word yoga means union in Sanskrit meaning union with the divine union with God union with your your uh, higher self and so so the yoga that we practice in the West these days is one part of like an eight part path of reaching this can enlightenment. I, can I stop you even there? How does one even become a monk? Yeah, I was wondering. How <laughs> you I mean, there's got to be a story like, at some we point. We need to back it up a little. Were you just b- born in yeah. was it a monastery? Like, oh, yeah. 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 Right, yeah. <laughs> I, I was born in a basket. I floated downstream. And, and so you I picked found me up. By and monks, then. and then that's what you did. Okay. <laughs> no, because you're only 20, right? Yeah, so, right, right. Okay. No, yeah. So. I've been around the block for a few years, but no, the um, yeah. I, in fact, I didn't know what a monk was two years prior to to becoming one. I, you know, through a roundabout way, my life was always about, you know, the meaning of life, the purpose. Well, I I always questioned the fabric of society, the things people were telling me, the things we were taught. And it, it never seemed to jive with what, what I felt was truly going on. So I was always seeking, what's the purpose? What's the meaning? What? And uh, that led me to a spiritual path. I, I found a book called Autobiography of a Yogi by a, uh, a Swami named Paramahansa Yogananda. He was an Eastern um, monk, uh, a Swami from India who came to the West in 1920 uh, and spread um, essentially everything that we see today, you know, Ganesh t-shirts and Namaste and, and the practice of yoga and all that came. Uh, Yogananda was the second uh, person to come to the West to start to spread wow. Eastern philosophy. So a lot of this is, is he's responsible for. 
anyway, he wrote this book and, and started an organization called Self-Realization Fellowship to disseminate teachings of meditation as a way to connect with uh, the divine source. And so I got on that path and that I got on that path at a very low point in my life, basically when I'd hit rock bottom. And the meditation practices and following the disciplines started to help get me out of my hole. So much so that I moved from Colorado where I was to California, uh, San Diego area where, where the headquarters was, um, actually in Los Angeles, and began to get closer and just get more involved in the organization. Then one thing led to another. I found out there was a monastic order and that, you know, in that organization, of course, that's the pinnacle of what you could do. So everybody sort of aspires to, to it. it. Very few people actually do. But, of course, everybody considers it at one point in time. Because everyone wants to do it because it, but they don't let everyone in or it's like some sort of crazy process. Or well, it represents the highest, right? When you're on that path, you're, you know, it's a path of self-betterment, self-realization, ultimately learning how to embody your divine self. And this is a lifestyle devoted wholly to that. So there's a romantic glow around yeah. it for everybody. Now, most people, you know, most people have a desire to raise a family or, or a career or something like that. And so that, that precludes them from really becoming a monk. A few, you know, continue to, you know, I was single. I, you know, my career at the time was, you know, I was still sort of trying to figure out my career. And, and so one thing led to another and that, that really resonated with my whole path of seeking, you know, here was, here was a path, here was a quote unquote career that I could, I could devote my life to, to find the purpose and the meaning behind it all that, you know, I, I finally found somebody who in Yogananda who had, who could tell me, you know, that, that there was something more to it than what I was seeing in everyday life. And that, that then I jumped in and, and, you know, did that lifestyle for the next 10 years. Wow. And where was that? That was in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know there were monks in L.A. <laughs> I, mean, I, we, I live in L.A., so, okay. Yeah. So I, was a, I was a Hollywood monk. So yeah. what That's kind amazing. of changes were you seeing? So you said you were at rock bottom, which I kind of want to know what rock bottom means to you. And then what were the changes you started to see when you were going through this new lifestyle? Yeah, rock bottom, and that, that relates to a lot of people who yeah, come here to Rhythmia, too, because they've hit bottom in one way or another. For me, it was uh, I, I grew up in a military family and was very emotionally unexpressive. You know, we we're a very stoic uh, mentality and, and very, like a lot of, I've, I've talked with other military families, you know, there's a surface level of everything's okay. And it yep. probably goes beyond the military too, but you know, to the public, you have to put on that happy face, but underneath there's a lot of angst and, and uh, uh, a different emotional stuff going on, but I wasn't, able to express that. Uh, it wasn't very appropriate to express it. And as a result, I also developed a dysfunction for being able to express. So, so all this stored emotional garbage just piles up. And um, as I like to quote the, uh, the psychotherapist Sigmund Freud, he says, unexpressed emotions never die. They just reemerge in darker and uglier ways. Mm -hmm. So Essentially, that what happened to me, and the darker and uglier ways that they emerged for me was moods. Like I just get into these very dark moods, uh, as very withdrawn, very you know, uh, very much a loner. It helped in a way because I got very, um, very into graphic art, and you know, I, I even got a scholarship to an art college and and all that. But you know, that was a very 
small bright blip on a larger, uh, you know, a larger dark existence. And uh, so that obviously affected relationships. P you know, it was, it was very hard to, to hold a, a deeper a romantic or intimate relationship when, when you can't communicate your feelings. And my partners would get very frustrated. The only way they could get any expression out of me was to nag me and nag me and nag me until I'd finally break down. Of course, yep. you know, then I'm miserable and they're miserable, but at least, you know, they got something out of me there. Yep. Part of that, you, you know, that, that pain of holding on to all that emotions, then you're looking for ways to numb yourself. So, um, I did that largely through drugs, smoking a lot of marijuana and, and alcohol and the, the worst, I mean, where it sort of came to all to a head was I, I was in a, a job at the time and I was called into the office one day and, and they sat me down and said, uh, we're going to have to lay you off. We're, we're going to let you go. And, you know, when I inquired why and, and wanted a deeper understanding of that, it, you know, it came out that they really felt like I wasn't a team player, that, that because I wasn't very communicative, you know, they didn't see any contribution that I was really giving, right? And I wasn't able to, yeah. to really defend my contribution because, again, I was compromised in the way that I was um, expressing myself. One of the things that we talk about, and sorry to cut you off because this is so good, but like I'm interested before we move on, why do you think you said military family, which I think is a little bit, it's like kind of a blanket statement, but like what exactly looking back now, having the knowledge that you have now, what was it? Because we talk a lot about honest communication and like mm. very open honest communication, even scary communication on the podcast. What do you think you were the most scared of? Like looking back, the reason why you couldn't say the words or why that you couldn't express yourself, were you scared of the response? Were you scared of uh, not getting the love that you needed? Like what exactly do you think it was? Or was it just you didn't think of it? That's funny. I do, uh, you know, I'm a public speaker as well or have done much more of that before I uh, came to Rhythmia. And I, I do this talk on uh, which I call Big Boys Don't Cry. And, you know, I sort of open that with a, a vivid memory I had where I was on the floor crying about four or five years old. And my father comes over to me and says, you want to cry? I'll give you something to cry about. And, you know, raises his hand up in the air. And I'm like you know, holy crap, I'm about to get swatted. I get up and ran down the hallway into the bathroom as fast as I could. I locked the bathroom door and, you know, just cried there on the bathroom floor. And he comes banging on the door trying to get in, you know, and he's like, big boys don't cry. And, you know, finally gets disgusted and walks away. So there's this, you know, there's this deep image of that it, you know, really wasn't okay. And I was going to get you know, physically harmed. Yeah, even. physically harmed for expressing my emotions. And my dad uh, used that line too. He likes that one. I'll <laughs> <laughs> give you something to cry about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think it's pretty old school. But yeah, I mean, I think what we're seeing now is we're seeing a lot more. It's a lot more socially acceptable for men to be open. Maybe not necessarily cry. I mean, I think crying is like we're moving in that direction. But I think that there's a lot. I like the direction that we're moving in. That it's okay to express your emotions and mm -hmm. be more open in that way. And I, it's a skill that, like, obviously you had to learn through this process. Well, and that's it. And that's you know partly becoming a monk helped me to to stabilize my life. We talk about that coping and healing phase. So it helped me to really cope and get on a, a stable level. It still didn't really help me to express my emotions because that, you know, as a monk, m monastic comes from the word monos, meaning one. Mm -hmm. So we're a lot, I mean, it's a, a group, a community, but it's a community of individuals who are very interiorly uh, focused. So we're, you know, so you can imagine a bunch of people walking around and they're all got these little <laughs> shells around them. 
so it wasn't until I actually started getting this prompting to leave, it was this inner voice that put me in a new conflict because I, I devoted my life to becoming a monk. It's like, you know, getting married. You, you plan to get married forever. You don't mm -hmm. plan to get married only for 10 years and then decide mm -hmm. to divorce, even though that's what happens a lot. We, that isn't the plan coming right. through. And so I was struggling with that. And, uh, you know, there's a, uh, if anybody's gotten a divorce or moved out of their hometown or quit their job, you know, all three of those were part of this whole package. There's a lot of anxiety and stress and self-doubt and emotions that come up. And I was, again, having trouble dealing with these when one of my monastic buddies said, hey, I, I, you know, I learned about this thing called breathwork. I think you'd be really into it. And he's kind of this guy who's always on the cutting edge of stuff. So, <laughs> so um, you know, long story short, I, I, I snuck away to a, a little retreat that did this breath work and it opened me up to my, uh, my emotions. It helped me to, to recognize that I had them and mm -hmm. start to identify them, which mm -hmm. sound, may sound crazy to some people, but you know, sure. for somebody who'd, who'd never been doing that, it was a big revelation. Then it gave me a safe container, a safe place, again, like Rhythmia does for the expression of your, my emotions, that I could, I could actually start working with them without feeling like you know, I was going to get hit or whatever. And then ultimately, it was a process that started to help you help me integrate that emotional energy, meaning start to dredge up old, the old stagnant stored stuff that Freud said just comes out in darker and uglier ways, offload that, you know, mm -hmm. say, all right, let's clean the closets and put new stuff in there, you know, clothes I'm going to wear, you know, things that make me feel good rather than all that stuff that I've been holding on to forever that doesn't make me feel good. And that got me on a, you know, it's, it's been you know, no 12 year journey for me. Uh, you know, I've, I've been a facilitator of this work now for 12 years, but it, you know, I feel like I'm a perpetual student and I've gotten to the point where I can cry. I can cry openly. I feel like that's one of my biggest signs that I'm on the right path is mm -hmm. when I can be emotional. Uh, another sign is when I recognize when I'm being more stoic and it affects somebody else emotionally. Mm -hmm. And then I can, mm -hmm. I can step back and say, I'm sorry. And let's, you know, let's re-examine how, how to relate here. And, and I can, I can come at it from a softer perspective. So, so I'm not saying that it, it has created in me a perfection. I'm not a, a, a perfected being, but I think uh, none of us ever become that. But if, if we have the tools to be able to, to see our, you know, see the issues that we create sooner and or have the tools to, I don't want to use the word fix, but, you, you know, uh, help, help those issues yeah. along, um, then I think uh, we're on to something here. So in the breathwork like classes, I'll call them, is there a goal or intention going in? Because I've heard of people like going to breathwork and just crying and getting super emotional. I mean, is that the intention to break everybody down and make them cry? Or is it to... Uh, like you said earlier about uh, like sports getting you more your enhanced performance mm -hmm. or is it just up to the person? Do they go in with something that they're trying to work on? Like how, when you go into the class, like I'm a beginner walking in, what should I be expecting to happen? Like, should I be nervous and bring a box of tissues that I'm going to lose it? Right. Well, great question. Cause um, whether I'm doing this uh, individually, um, well, you know, in person or by Skype, whether I'm doing this in a class that I used to teach or doing it in the ceremonial setting that we do here at Rhythmia, intentionality is like 
a cornerstone of the whole thing. What is your intention for doing this? And that is a very personal mm -hmm. uh, thing. Now, the, the, the breath work itself operates on multiple dimensions of our being, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So I, I feel there's a hierarchy that, you know, the spiritual dimension is the ultimately the highest and probably the emotional is, is the next and the, the physical being, being, I don't want to say the lowest, but the easiest to access. Yeah, the easiest to access. That might, yeah, the gr good way to put that. Um, because there, there's nothing wrong with having a, if you are an athlete, for instance, and you came to do breath work, your intention might be to peak performance, you know, improve, get that, get that edge. And it goes back to, you know, learning to breathe from, from day one We're, we don't learn to breathe. But if you, if you start running, you start seeing how dysfunctional your breath is. Yeah. And if you actually just do a little bit of practice to harness, you know, the rhythm of your breath to the rhythm of your pace and, and things like that. You'll see how much your performance can improve, how much your stamina can improve, how much you can, you get more bursts of energy. So, so that's on a physical level, you know, um, intentions can be emotional too. You know, that's, that's often where I said the coping and the healing phase is really diving into the, the, this emotional garbage, the, this, this backlog of emotions. Like I, talked about in my own personal story um it's a pretty universal thing that we're we're holding on to old emotional energies because we're told to be seen and not heard or don't be so boisterous or or just because we didn't feel safe in any mm -hmm. particular environment or situation to express ourselves all this is held and needs to come out before we can you know find the space to to bring in fresh new more positive and fulfilling energy um, and then, of course, again, the spiritual dimension, which is where I put in the, y you know, the, the idea of how we can thrive and how we can become the best we are and, and really fulfill our potential because I feel our potential is to, to realize our spiritual beingness, uh, self-realization, so to speak. So how does that work? Let's just break it down for, I've only done, I've done it a couple times, but I did uh, fire breathing. Uh -huh. Is that okay? So what happened, um, and maybe this would give some context to people listening, is um, I had never experienced it before, and so what felt like was happening that I was putting myself into like a hyperventilated state. I felt like it was like a um, because I was consciously breathing, and the and the breathing was short and it was fast and it was like powerful. And I think, and I, I don't know if this is exactly what you do, and but I but like thoughts came up into my head that. I wasn't consciously thinking like they just like started popping up like images in my head from maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago, like situations that I hadn't been expecting. And then I was kind of had this wave of maybe an emotional charge around them. Like I had a self, -com like self compassionate response to a, a former self of mine. Like I had this like wave of self compassion for my younger self in a situation and that came out of the blue. And so is that an example of like an emotional response that you're getting? So these things, we're not like conjuring them up consciously. They're, yeah, exactly. From they a are subconscious, or I would say they are your higher conscious state. And and when you that what you're describing, I would I would say um, it facilitates the emotional and the spiritual dimension. Basically, as you start breathing, all you loosen your hold on this emotional baggage. It starts to bubble up, and you start having these memories and these things. And you might even relive some of those emotional states. Mm -hmm. And then these these downloads of information, the the understandings that you start to get, the 
the compassion, uh, whatever you're starting to feel, I feel is that higher self dimension starting to activate as we bring this life force energy in this, this pranic energy into our, our being. That is the highest frequency of life itself. So as, our, as we bring that into our field, our consciousness starts to entrain to that, starts to raise to that level. And that opens up the dimension of our intuitive capabilities. Our intuition really is our direct access to our, you know, the higher consciousness that we are. So, so this information starts to drop into our brain and we like, we get these ideas or these ahas and, Mm -hmm. and we don't know where they came from. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where I believe they come from is, is from our higher self. That's why I, I always say when we're doing this process, now fire breathing isn't really designed to do that. Fire breathing is generally a more cleansing breath okay. or you know more energetically activating breath. But the what fact is fa- what is happening? I mean, maybe with the work that you do, can you break down like on a like maybe biologically what's happening? Well, well, biologically, what's happening is you're bringing oxygen into the body. More oxygen, uh, you know, every pardon me. More more oxygen than like if I was just. Yeah, then we're breathing and we get back to, you know, okay, they're breathing fine. We end up developing habits of breathing about 20% of our capacity. Uh, And so it's like, uh, you know, if you're, once again, I'll use the example of a runner and you, you know, you're going to do your your nutrition uh, regimen for the day. You know, you, you need to eat, uh, let's just say a thousand carbs and you only eat 200, you know, how far are you going to get? How, when are you going to run out of energy a whole lot sooner than, you know, than you were hoping you yes. would, right? So the same thing with the breath. We're breathing 20% of our capacity, oxygen being our number one energy source. We're leaving 80% of our energy on the table. So just by learning to, to breathe better, we're, we're inundating um, all of our cells with oxygen. Every cell works better with more oxygen. Mm. So your brain is going to think clearer and more concisely. Uh, your muscles are going to be stronger, more resilient, have more endurance and, and greater bursts of speed. Your organs are all going to function better, you know, digestion or, or your liver uh, processing, those kinds of things. Um, your senses all come online, you know, with greater capacity. So you'll people come out of a breath session and they often squint because it seems like the room is lighter. Uh, they'll I, I usually, in my own individual practice, give them a piece of chocolate at the end, which <laughs> for a number like of reasons. One, it helps uh, ground them and and just bring them back something comfortable. But often they'll go, "Wow, that's the most amazing piece of chocolate I ever ate," and uh, I I get. Trader Joe's, 72%, you know, <laughs> red label chocolate, you know, standard run of the mill. There's nothing great about it. It's not, it's not bad, but it's not the best. But their taste buds have come online since, you know, they flooded them with oxygen. And now they can taste finer nuances of flavor. So, so on a physiological level, all oxygen is bringing us to greater life. Now on the, you know, the next level is the emotional level and that then the, you know, the oxygen or the way we breathe and our emotions have an intimate link. So if you really start looking at it, every emotion we have has a corresponding breath pattern. And so if you want to induce chronic uh, stress or anxiety in your life, which a lot of people actually have, yeah, stop breathing or breathe very shallow. And this is exactly what's happening. I mean, people are suffering from chronic stress and anxiety. And I would 
dare say not because there's a lot of stressors, you know, like there used to be the saber-toothed tigers at every, you know, every corner or, or rock you had to look around, but that we've habituated ourselves to a form of breathing which stimulates this response. The, the, you know, it's a back and forth relationship. Uh, stress and anxiety cause you to breathe shallower yeah. or not breathe at all, but breathing shallower, not breathing at all also causes, causes stress, stress and anxiety. Now the good news is that's also true with the kind of uh, breath patterns that are, uh, that create more harmonious emotions like happiness, peace, joy, love. They come with a deeper, more fluid and connected breath pattern. So where we tend to be breathing rather than halting our breathing, we tend to breathe a bit deeper, getting more of that capacity than that 20%. And um, we breathe more relaxed when we're not so tense. And this is exactly the, the form that I teach within this breathwork process. So we're breathing for an hour at a slightly accelerated pace, but using these elements, what I call full, free-flowing breathing. Mm -hmm. You know, full, deep breaths, mm -hmm. free, meaning relaxed and easy, and flowing, meaning connected and continuous breathing. And though that breath induces happiness. It induces relaxation. It induces peace and, and feelings of love. So you can actually habituate yourself to a general state of relaxation as opposed to a general state of constant anxiety. And, and this is the process of learning good habits of breathing rather than poor habits of breathing. So what would be a just if someone lives, I don't know, say they live in the States and they're like, cool, I have three kids. You know, I don't know if I can deal with this. I don't know. This seems really like a lot, uh, you know, I want, but I do want to be able to slowly start adopting this practice in some way, shape or form into my hectic lifestyle. What is the best, like, I can't go to Rhythmia, I can't, you know, spend, I can't become a monk, like, how do I, <laughs> how do I start logistically getting the benefits of something like this in a way that works with my hectic lifestyle? All right. Well, I'd say probably one of the best things is visit my website, breathflow.com, cool. and then get in contact with me um, for some of the different things. I mean, the, the most simple thing is uh, as a product, a CD or an MP3 that will take you through uh, more or less a, a, a five-minute session of this breath work and then a 45-minute session of this breath work. Just since we've been talking, I've noticed like I keep taking deep breaths. I'm like, oh, I don't breathe. <laughs> I know, like I'm holding my breath <laughs> like, the whole just time. Just the awareness that we're having this conversation. I'm like, oh gosh, yeah. I'm going to work on this. <laughs> and that's one of the best things. After somebody's had a breath session, that's the first thing they start to recognize is yeah. when you're not breathing. And awareness uh, as... You know, as we'd say in the monastic order, awareness is the pillar of yoga, meaning awareness is is the root to that union, to that self-realization. You know, it's the first step is becoming aware because now you can choose to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Before, we're just unconsciously, as sure. they say, unconsciously the incompetent. Of, yeah, of mm -hmm. just life stressors, right? We yeah. don't really have anything in a way to cope with them. So, so come to my website, breathflow.com, and uh, that's one. Uh, the next level would be to to get an individual session. You know, with me, probably people would have to do it through through Skype, which is uh, an equally valid way to to have a personal breath session. You could let me know where you're from in the area, and I could let you know if I know of any facilitators that you could personally see. Plug into group type of sessions. You know, that were are relatively inexpensive if they they're going on in your area. 
Uh, and then, you know, the next steps would be to, to look out for the schedule events where I'm having like a, a longer weekend or week long type of, of, of group event that, that goes deep and intensive. I'd say that's really the pinnacle experience. And of course, that's what we offer here at Rhythmia Breathwork, though, with, you know, the other elements of the, the program that we have. So would someone get benefit from maybe, I mean, simple, similar to meditation, maybe would they get benefit of, I don't know, maybe taking 10 minutes out in the morning and doing breath work on their own to set the tone for the day. It sounds like what you describe as breath work and I'm excited because we haven't gotten yet. So maybe, but I am hoping that these questions are representative of maybe the ones the listeners might have is it sounds very meditative, you know, and I know there's a lot of research on like meditation kind of grounding you and feeling grateful and reducing anxiety and stuff it sounds like it's just a form of meditation would that be useful for them it uh, so that is one of the common misconceptions i'd say partial i call it a partial misconception when when somebody is saying breath work what are we going to do they're typically used to going to yoga and doing alternate nostril breathing or a little bit of fire breathing or or you know breathing in savasana which is very relaxing and all that this uh this breath work is an activating breath though it's a it's a breath uh, you know, I'd say its its primary merit is this this ability to integrate emotional energies. I distinguish this from meditation in this way because meditation, and I learned this from being you know in a meditative order for <laughs> for ten years of of you know four and a half hours a day of meditating, recognizing that meditation, as simple as it seems, actually presumes that you've taken care of a lot of this what I call lower level uh, stuff, like this emotional integration work. Mm. So if you mm. aren't emotionally stable and you sit down and try to meditate, most of the time what you're meditating on is your bad emotions. Like, yeah. oh, I really got to get back to that guy or, you know, <laughs> or just trying to calm the mind. I wish I could just stop thinking about this yeah. problem or this thing at work. So what breath work, breath work itself is different than meditation. It's a much more active process as a it's a little bit less disciplined, meaning you don't have to stand so still and rigid and, and control the mind like you'd need to in meditation. Mm. So it appeals to a lot of people in that way. But it will first, you know, release some of those emotions. And sometimes that can be a very, it can look on the surface like a very chaotic experience. Mm. And, and that's why I caution people not to necessarily go for a deep, long, you know, hour long session all by themselves at first. Sure. I'd, I'd recommend doing it with somebody who, who knows what Help they're doing, the who knows how to facilitate the yeah. process. Exactly. Uh, because not that there's ever inherently anything dangerous about breathing. I mean, breathing is life itself, but when you start activating that life force energy, it's, you want to make sure it, you don't have any negative. Well, it's bringing your patterns. body and your body, emotion, and spiritual being back into balance. And sometimes balance means first doing house cleaning mm-hmm. before you can like set the picture straight and you know and have the everything look nice and and remodeled and all that. Right? You got to clear out the garbage first, and that garbage clearing is dirty work. You know, nobody likes to get their hands dirty. And sometimes, you know, you're, 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 you're raising the dust and you're coughing and sneezing and all that. You know, this is all metaphors for the emotions that come up and you're, you're in, you know, you're in your sadness, you're in your anger, you're in, um, your darkness. And, and sometimes it doesn't feel good because, because frankly, that's why we stuff those emotions in the first place. But again, as Freud said, you, if you don't, express them, they're going to come out some other way. So I've learned through the the hard way that the only way out of your emotions is to go through them. And I found that breath work is like the best, easiest, 
um, most gentle way to, to do this process, uh, to, to get rid of these emotional uh, energies, um, and you really get more bang for your buck. Because if you were to do it on your own, it would just take you know as much water. time as it took to stuff those emotions yeah. it takes about that much time to get rid of them Makes but sense. you really seem to get like an accelerated pass by yeah. by doing this breath work in just an hour's worth of time you can clear years worth of stuff and uh you know even one uh psychotherapist was quoted on the back of my mentor's book as saying you know one transformational breath session is equivalent to 10 years of psychotherapy you know it's like <laughs> yep. which is kind of hyperbolic but it but it, it stands to say that a lot, you, you know, you can get rid of a lot of stuff in just one session. And, of course, the more you do it. So kind of coming back to your question, it is something that would be very valuable for people to start doing, you know, just five minutes a day. If you can just do, if you don't have a facilitator in your area or you, you haven't gotten um, session with me yet or if you even if you had then you know your homework is going to be to continue to do it for like five to 15 minutes is what I would generally advise and you, you expand it the more comfortable you get with what's coming up and ultimately that's where we want you to be is whatever comes up you know is just old garbage it, it's it's like playing reruns of an old scary movie, right? You, you might be scared at the moment you're watching the movie, but in the end, you know that it was just a movie. Right. In the same way with all these old tapes that we've, we've stored inside of. They're just, they're, they no longer have a, a true grip on us only if we continue to let them play and we, we, we keep being scared like we're scared in a movie over and over again. Mm-hmm. Will they continue to have a hold on us? So. Yeah, that makes sense to have a facilitator, I think, if you're doing the more deeper emotional stuff, you probably want somebody to help you through that. Cool. Okay. What was your website again? Breathflow.com. Breathflow.com. Do you want to ask Christian our last question? Yeah. I think this like flew by. I know. I have so many more questions. <laughs> we might have to do part two after we go through. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah, be like, be okay, great. what was the that that just came up? <laughs> I'm actually really excited. Um, so Christian, this is the Best Life Podcast. And one of the things we'd like to know is what does living your best life or what does the best life mean to you? The best life, I, you know... I say this a lot of times when I'm giving my seminars too. Like my objective is to make every breath a transformational breath, which ultimately means making every breath a transformational experience. That if we could take, with, you know, if you could get the experience that you get in, in an hour's worth of this process, in every breath you take, you know, I want you, I want you, I want me, I want everyone to habituate yourself to to the way of breathing that induces the happy, that induces the peace, that induces the love, so that every step you take, with every breath you take, you're feeling happy, joyous love. And um, uh, that, that to me, is a best life. That's one well lived. I know we can all I was use thinking, more of that in our life. Breath you do. <laughs> 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 it's such a that song. That's yeah. his music. That's his soundtrack. Yeah, you guys might not believe this, but Christian has not breathed the whole time we've been on this interview. <laughs> he hasn't taken one single breath. It's been amazing. He's holding his breath the whole time. Um, well, I, one, am looking forward to learning from you, and I am excited about the experience. Do yes. you have any other questions? No, thank you so much yeah, for your time. Yeah, yeah, this, I think you. we learned, I learned a lot. And yeah. I think our, and so make sure you guys check out Christian's work and connect with him if you feel like you want to go deeper into this. Um, and yeah, let us know what you guys think and meet us on our closed Facebook group. All right, we'll see you later. All right, we'll see you soon. Take care.